In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. As budgets tighten and the burden on the health system increases, local services need to be creative in finding new ways to deliver care. But what's the key to success in this rapidly changing environment? Improving services to meet the specific needs of their local community. Working in a rural facility often requires you to wear many hats to ensure your community gets the best possible care. Alison Males is one such clinician. A registered nurse from Torres and Cape, Alison joined us to share how they have implemented seamless data collection for their reporting and are translating it into planning goals. So continuous quality improvement, they're programs and processes and that most people know all about. But how do we implement them? And do they work? And how do we make them more efficient? So continuous quality improvement is basically collecting data, looking at the data and interrogating it, finding out what's wrong, making a plan for action against the causes of those things that are going wrong, and then re-collecting the data and finding out whether you've seen any improvement. But what's the problem? Well, CQI programs are complex interventions with multiple interconnected parts that are not only difficult to define and describe, the implementation is challenging and impacts in health settings are highly variable. So to start the project last year, back in uh, July, we sat down, or I sat down, and I thought, OK, so we've got a whole lot of processes and mechanisms that we're following to try to get data from the frontline staff to report on that and to get it back to them in a timely way so that they can make really good decisions about the care that they're providing and the frontline staff on these remote islands and remote primary health care centres and hospitals in the Torres and Cape have access to this information as soon as possible. So I made a bit of a list. I'm actually, I made two lists. So I made one about all the barriers and one about all the enablers that are going to help to improve. So some of the barriers that we face in implementing a really good continuous quality improvement project process is we have a reasonably high workforce turnover. We have excellent IT service support, but it's quite limited. Like everywhere else, technology is moving fast and we are out there trying to support the implementation of that. So you do have to book in if you want to speak to our tech team. We have limited resources for report distribution in the way of administration 
and getting reports to the meetings on time with the most up-to-date information across a large, expansive, remote and isolated areas is really hard to do. Last year, we were using a paper-based data collection methods and processes for all of our clinical audits, and that was really problematic. We have used some state-based tools, but we really didn't have any success with them, and we had a lot of negative experiences from our staff who were trying to access those statewide tools and use them. And our health service, like many health services, when trying to change their way that they're doing things, you know, we've, we have a bit of a tight budget, so we didn't have a lot of cash around. So what were our enablers? Well, Queensland Health implemented Microsoft 365. Thank you very much, Queensland Health. We have a highly dedicated and engaged workforce. So even though we have a high workforce turnover, the people who go and work out there really want to be out there to make a difference. So when they get there, they're engaged, they want to have the best possible health outcomes for the patients that they're caring for. And that's terrific. We have the motivation of accreditation around the corner. So that's always a good one for executives to say, hey, let's try and improve the way that we're collecting information so that we can demonstrate what we're doing. And thankfully, they dedicated a project officer to get this off the ground. So those were the enablers. When I was looking at the processes, how many processes does it take and how can I measure how well we're improving? So basically what I did is I stepped it out and I said, OK, so basically at the moment what we have to do is, one, find the tool on the website, print out the audit tool, collect the data, the facility administrator needs to scan in all the audits into the email. We need to send, the correct, send it to the correct email address, and that's harder than you think when you've got a high workforce turnover. We needed to then have somebody on the other end who was going to collect and collate the data, build the report, realising data isn't validated, and then having problems to be able to do that and go back and find out who entered the information onto the piece of paper. We needed to then get approval for the report, is it okay? And then we needed to distribute to over seven different clinical committees agendas and that took about two to three weeks before the meeting to get there in time for the meeting. That's the paper-based system. Then we have a look at the state-based tools, using state-based tools. One, we needed to get a logon for the statewide tool. We needed to learn how to navigate the site, enter the data, then there was a data validation process, download the report, distribute to the correct committee at person, um, and find and check past reports on the system so that we could do some trend analysis. So this wasn't happening. So what have we got now? We've got, bang, instant access to the tool. They can enter the data within three clicks of going from the QEPS website and they can instantly access the report with trend data. So we've gone from a nine-step process down to a three-step process, and the timeframes, the last system was about six weeks turnaround, and now we have a 20-minute turnaround. So huge saving. So how did we achieve this? So I looked at four different types of Microsoft software, and I've put tech applications, but it's software applications. You'll have to excuse me, I'm not uh, trained in technology. But I did learn it, and it was very easy to learn. So if you're out there and you're wanting to have a go, don't be frightened, it's quite easy. We used Microsoft Forms for collecting the information. 
We used Microsoft Flow for putting that information into data that was accessible by the Power BI Pro application. And then we published it onto a SharePoint site. You access the information through the SharePoint site to get to the form and the reports are all published there. So everybody goes to the same point to start and to end the process. The reports are refreshed on a 24-hourly basis, so they're pretty much all the information that comes out and that people can access is available to them within 24 hours, which makes it really great for clinical committees to go in and say what's going on right now, not what was going on two or three weeks ago. So this is the site that we've currently got. The blue line up the top is basically the access points where you input data. We have information in three columns below that for reporting and the last column here is for action planning and scorecards. That's not yet running because the site's been open for five weeks and we're just starting to get quite a lot of data in now to be able to build the next phase. So frontline staff would navigate their way to this site through one click or from the Quips page and they would end up here, clinical audit tools and audit schedule. They would click on that and it would take them to a page on the SharePoint site where they could access any clinical audit tool that they liked. The schedule is underneath and they would just click on one of these and it would take them directly into a clinical form, Microsoft Forms, which would look like one of these. So here's a sample of a whole lot of the audits that we've got. Not all of them are up there, but some of them. And you can see that on these audits, we put in all of the information around the protocols and bits and pieces that you need to do the audit, how many you have to do, what clinical forms you might find on there. And it makes it nice and simple. So not too many pieces of paper. We don't have separate protocols and separate audit tools. Just put all the information on the same one. They hit submit and instantly it comes out into the reporting page. So this is really important. So if you're needing to do, say, for example, 20 record audits, but you can't do them all on one shift, and the next shift comes on, they can go in, they can see how many have been done instantly, and they, they can pick it up and move on and do the rest of them. Okay, so that's really important to know how many you've done and where to pick up from and see how you're actually tracking as well. When we built the audit tools, we put in some filters that we can filter the reports by. So every audit has exactly the same four or five same descriptors or, or, or questions, date, location, region, ward, service area or cluster. And you can filter the, each report by any of those. So we have 34 different health facilities in the Taurus and Cape. So you can click on, for example, Boigoo Island and all of your information will come up in that Power BI Pro report and it will filter out everything else and you'll just be able to see your information. Or if you're an executive in the north, you can just click on north. I just want to have a look at all of the things that are going on in the north, which is Bamaga all the way up to Saibai Island, and I can just see what's going on in that particular region. So these filters are really important. We also have filters for action planning, and I'm going to talk a little bit about action planning, but not too much. But basically, the action planning is done in the same way as a clinical form. They have filters by location, service area, national standard indicator, action and due date. It is one tool for the action plan, which means that executives will be able to, and directors and managers will be able to have a look at every single indicator and every, every action 
with it, there's, I think there's a choice of 20 actions, and they can see what actions are more commonly chosen, what indicators are more commonly chosen by the staff who are actually reviewing and entering the information into the action planning. So it's bringing all of the tasking back to the frontline staff, giving them the empowerment to make the decisions about what's going wrong with their information, why it's going wrong, and choosing the correct action in relation to how they see it. So consumer experience survey, so this is just a, an example of one of the Power BI Pro reports. This is updated information. You can see this is how it is and there's some filters on there as well. This is basically, I've just put some in information on there around the action planning and how you would just click through. A few highlights just to finish off with, just to let you know that we've improved our data collection significantly over the last five weeks that this has been live. We've collected over 1,030 independent records in that time frame. It's more information that we have been able to collect in those last couple of weeks compared to the last five years in our health organisation, which is really remarkable. And here's some information on the site usage. So you can see that there are 177 people in our organisation who are using the information and they've actually used the site over 5,000 times in the last five weeks. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.